Welcome to Travel Tips Tuesday with John Rogers. On today's show, you'll learn up-to-date, creative, and personal tips that will help you make your travel dreams a reality. Enjoy today's episode. Here's John. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another super fun episode of Travel Tips Tuesday. Very glad to be with you all once again. In this episode, we're going to be wrapping up our conversation about the Universal Orlando Resort for now. We may come back to a few things again in the future, and if you do have any questions, please send them my way, but it was a true joy, as you will hear from me, uh, to be able to go to the Universal Orlando Resort with my daughter. This was a very special trip that we both had together, created some amazing memories along the way, and I'm super happy to be able to share some of those with you in this episode. Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode, and let's get into it, shall we? Tonight, this is Travel Tips Tuesday, and it is May the 25th, 2021. And our question of the day is, what is your favorite way to beat the heat at at Universal or Disney? What is your favorite way to beat the heat at Universal or Disney? We all have our favorite ways, whether it's just, you know, ice water or, you know, wearing cool clothing, finding a great attraction with great air conditioning, all those kinds of things. So there's a lot of great tips in here, and we're going to come back to some of those here in a little bit because everybody kind of has their different sort of mindset when it comes to this. Uh, we may come back and do another. It's been a while uh, since we've done an episode strictly on this one thing, uh, but it can be hugely valuable, especially if you do travel in, in the warmer months, which you know last a good part of the year in Central Florida. So uh, I would love to know what is your favorite way to beat the heat at Disney or Universal. We'd love for you to share those comments here live uh, on the podcast. So please drop those in there, even if you've already shared them in the main feed. Uh, that I asked earlier. We'll love to hear from you here tonight. I will be going back to the main feed to check on some of those, uh, but we'll love to highlight some of you if you have uh, have a helpful tip or two. So let's get into the travel news, shall we? Let's get into the travel news. Cruising. There's some ship updates coming along, and this is some information that actually dropped today. So as you know, the Centers for Disease Control and the Department of Health and Human Services have had this sort of uh, um, conditional sailing order that has governed what cruise lines kind of can and can't do. Well, uh, as of today, um, well, not really as of today, but ships and cruise lines were, uh, have been submitting plans to the CDC and the Department of Health Human Services for, uh, for approval to basically run test cruises. And, the, you know, there's a lot of, oh yeah, we're going to try and be in the water by July, but nothing really like super firm. However, there were some announcements made that several cruise lines will be based on some legislation that was passed uh, with the help of some representatives from the wonderful state of Alaska. Uh, the There will be some direct cruises this summer in a limited cruising capacity sailing directly out of Seattle uh, to Alaska. Uh, many times some cruise lines would either stop in Canada or, or would sail out of Vancouver, uh, but because of current kind of um, regulations there, you know, dealing with kind of the international thing and whatnot, um, you know, borders and everything that kind of comes along with that and what Canada is doing and where the U S is and kind of where we both are. Um, an agreement was made where the cruises can sail out of Seattle to Alaska. So if you're interested in, in Alaska cruise this summer, there are some uh, specific rules and regulations for who can sail on those and whatnot. So if you have questions about that, please reach out to me. We'd love to kind of uh, be 
educate you. Like, I'm not going to just kind of speculate. I'm going to let you know, like, if, is a vaccine required? Are there age limits? Are there limits in, you know, the number of people that can be in cabins? You know, what sort of entertainment and dining? You know, how's all that going to work? So I would love to help you with that if you have any questions. And it's not just one cruise line uh, that has announced that either. It's, it's several Royal Caribbean, I think Holland, America, um, and maybe one or two others. Uh, I know that are going to be sending at least one ship up that way. The news that dropped today, though, uh, was a letter, and I saw a screenshot of this that was sent from the uh, Department of Health and Human Services to the C president and CEO of Royal Caribbean International. And basically it said that they're going to be allowed to run test cruises, a test cruise rather, uh, on Freedom of the Seas, specifically June 20th to the 22nd. And this is not a cruise that anybody who wants to is going to be able to get on. So the process to be able to go on this test cruise is going to be very specific and they're going to kind of limit the number of, you know, kind of number of people who can go on it and that kind of thing. Um, just to get some realistic feedback about what that experience is going to be like. Um, and from there, you know, we should hopefully see um, a phased approach to normalcy starting in July. So uh, hopefully for those of you that have cruises planned later in the summer and into the fall, you will be able to get to go on those. I've been talking to a lot of folks and been working with the cruise group where we've had to move things around a number of times. And I love being able to be the person to help them where they're not having to be on the phone. And, and that's me being able to do that uh, for them. It's a service I provide that's free. And, you know, I love being able to save my time, save my clients time and also hassle hopefully in the process. So uh, looking forward to the future and the cruise industry is reopening. So that's that's pretty fun. Um, and if you do have questions about that and what that means potentially for you, uh, please let me know. Some theme park news. Let's talk about Disneyland real quick. Capacity has actually been increased since it reopened initially on April 30th. And also, according to a very recent treat, tweet, not treat, tweet, uh, as of last Friday, I believe, uh, from Governor Gaz Gavin Newsom of the state of California, they will excuse me, return to uh, normal operations as of June the 15th. In his words, specifically from his tweet last Friday, he said, we are keeping it simple. Businesses will be able to return to usual operations. Physical distancing and capacity limitations will no longer be required for most places. So a lot of people are going, you know, what does this mean for Disneyland? What does this mean for Knott's Berry Farm? What does this mean for, you know, tourism and life in general as it is in California? You know, it's not like industry will be able to flip a switch and automatically they're back to what it was like pre-COVID. Um, no, it's, it doesn't work like that. So just because of the way supply chains work and a lot of the local businesses and you know bringing people back to work, getting people you know retrained and all these different things, it's going to take a little while. But that's not to say you can't have an amazing time on a vacation to Florida or excuse me, California or an experience in Disneyland. Uh, currently, uh, travel is still only allowed for residents of the state of California. So if you're a California friend, which I do have a few in California, would love to chat with you about that. Uh, but hopefully as, as things reopen, they will expand that uh, to, uh, to more folks along the way. So looking forward to seeing what's happening there. Also, let's talk about Walt Disney World. So we've not talked a ton about this just yet because this uh, announcement that I'm getting ready to talk about was announced just before I was going to Universal. So my mind was kind of there. It still is, but we're going to be sort of phasing back to Disney uh, for a little bit starting next week. 
but the Disney After Hours Experience Boo Bash, which is not a carbon copy replacement of uh, the Halloween parties that have been there before, the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, there are going to be some familiar elements of it, but there will be some things that will uh, be missing as well. But uh, like, there's not going to be fireworks or a lot of big shows that we're aware of. There will be treats and whatnot. But I'm going to I'm going to read the kind of official statement from the Disney Parks blog. If you have questions, uh, more questions about it, and I'm going to ad lib some stuff along the way just to kind of clarify uh, a few things. So Disney After Hours Boo Bash tickets will grant admission to Magic Kingdom Park as early as 7 p.m. without the need for a day park ticket or Disney Park Pass theme park reservation. So it is a separate ticketed event. So even if you have a park pass reservation for Magic Kingdom and a valid park ticket for that day, that does not guarantee you entry into the Boo Bash party after hours party. It is a separate ticketed event. Because it's a separate ticketed event, it kind of acts as your park ticket and as your park pass in, in the same in the same way. So that's an important thing to recognize. Um, it will give you more time to enjoy even more of your favorite attractions, stores, food items, things of that nature. Uh, guests young and old and immortal can dress in costume for the occasion and get their fill of Halloween candy. So yes, there will be candy. Uh, an important reminder, costume masks are not permitted for adults. So please be aware of that costume that's very specific costume masks are very you know not permitted for adults but if you do have one that's kind of like this this is one of my star wars masks that i bought at disney back in january like one of these kind that you know everybody's been wearing for the past year or so or a lot of people anyway uh and it ha and it kind of jives with your costume and it's thematic yes you can you can wear these these those are okay uh, but the full face costume mask like darth vader helmet kind of thing those are not permitted those you know fully covered latex mask that may go over your whole head. Uh, those are not okay. Uh, there's some more specifics about that information online. If you do have more specific questions, you're thinking about going to Boo Bash, uh, please let me know. I would love to help answer those for you. Uh, but they can, those kind of masks can be worn by children younger than 14. So basically 13 and under. In addition, all guests are required to wear approved uh, facial coverings during the event. So this uh, news bulletin came out before the uh, relaxation of mask policies at the Walt Disney World Resort. So if you actually go and click on the hyperlink where it says face coverings on the Disney Parks blog, it takes you to the page that kind of gives you the rundown about, um, you know, costume policies and, and, and mask and whatnot, kind of like we were just talking about with costumes and adults. And so... What I would say right now, I'm not 100% certain. It's just me being honest. I'm not 100% certain that uh, this information has been updated as of yet because it went out super fast. I would also not be surprised, though, um, you know, still if in certain situations, if facial coverings are still required. For instance, right now they are required if you're in an indoor attraction, if you're not actively eating or drinking indoors, if you're, you know, so that's in restaurants and stores. Uh, so, you know, the moment you get in queues, they're required uh, still. So uh, just be aware of that. But, you know, again, this is between now and then it's, you know, May 25th and we've got several months until the, the Boo Bash event starts. The tickets do on 
go on sale uh, next month. In case you're not familiar with the After Hours Parties, it's a special event that's open to a limited number of guests after normal park operating hours. Uh, the experience offers a low wait times and more than 20 attractions from classics like the Haunted Mansion and Space Mountain to newer favorites like Seven Dwarves Mine Train. It's a ghostly good time for all. Tickets will go on sale next month with an early purchase window available to guests of select Walt Disney World Resort hotels. So if you are staying on property, there's a very good chance you will be able to purchase these tickets early. Uh, again, these are going to be limited, just like the, the Halloween parties and very Merry Christmas parties and other after hours events have been in the past. Uh, there will not be unlimited, you know, unlimited admissions available. And typically how this works is, you know, the parks are open to a certain time frame, you know, for all park guests. And then folks that have tickets to these special after hours events are allowed to come in, say two to three hours early prior to the official start of these events. So you get a little bit more part time in and, you know, so it's not just like, oh, you get there three hours, boom, you're done. It's, you know, typically you can get there, you can get a good five, six hours out of these experiences sometimes. Uh, as of today, park passes are beginning to sell out. Uh, this is this is separate from Boo Bash. So to kind of transitioning for a minute, I want to kind of make folks aware. If you are uh, if you are planning a trip to the Walt Disney World Resort this fall, I would go ahead, highly suggest, and go ahead and at least securing your trip uh, with the minimum $200 package reservation that is you know, package deposit for a reservation, which is fully refundable up to 30 days prior to arrival. Uh, because So you can go ahead and make those park pass reservations for your other non-Boobash park days. Uh, I've been working with a lot of people. A lot of people want to travel uh, in late September and in, in early mid-October when fall break season is for a lot of schools in my neck of the woods, uh, especially October 1. We haven't talked a lot about it recently, but October 1, 2021 is the official 50th anniversary day of the Walt Disney World Resort being open, and there will be a lot going on. Park passes have been sold out for some time at Magic Kingdom that day. I will have the chance to be there uh, at the Walt Disney World Resort and at Magic Magic Kingdom on October 1, which is super exciting. Uh, but all that aside, if you're planning a trip, plus or minus anywhere that on that time frame, around the Boo Bash time frame in the fall, I would highly suggest going ahead and doing that uh, now. So you can have your pick of resort availability and park passes, because park passes will still be required, except for Boo Bash. Um, park passes will still be required to get into your parks in addition to park tickets. So, you know, there's still some folks that I've been chatting with that, that have been unaware of that information and, you know, that's okay. Not everybody is aware of all the different changes that have gone on, you know, over the past year. It's one of the reasons why I'm here. I stay right in. I try to travel, uh, you know, at least a couple of times a year, um, at, at least uh, to the Walt Disney World Resort, have friends that are there all the time. Usually there's not almost, almost I feel like there's not a day go by that I, that I don't know somebody uh, that is in the parks. So if you want to visit this fall, uh, we're going to be talking about the fall experience at uh, Walt Disney World here in the coming weeks. So uh, please, please, please go ahead and start thinking about that. So let's get into our conversation tonight. Uh, Daddy-daughter time at the Universal uh, Orlando Park. So this is a trip that um, I have been, I was looking forward to for a long time. And it was actually going back and forth for a little bit on who would go. If it was going to be my daughter or my wife, we've got, you know, four kids and two of them are crazy boys that are a little bit more high maintenance than others. And they're just, they're just energetic. Um, you know, they're just, they are what they are. And um, we don't have a lot of people that would be able to watch them uh, while, while we're both gone. So um, my Older daughter uh, ended up 
oldest daughter, my eight-year-old Evelyn ended up going with us and we had an amazing time uh, from just driving to the airport in Nashville to flying down and, you know, getting to the resort hotel and just hanging out and just creating some amazing memories. It was a really special time for me uh, as her dad, uh, but also as a travel planner, it was very informative. So occasionally I get this, ask this question all the time. What is it like to travel with young kids? Talked about traveling with young kids in a large family. Well, what if you're a single parent? Okay. What if you're a single parent and you want to take your kids and you're thinking about flying on a plane or you drive or, you know, what, what are the best options there? What's the least hassle? And, and you want to take, you know, say one of your kids or all of your kids on an incredible vacation. You know, what's that like? So I had a little bit of an insight uh, into that. So I, I want to tell you kind of from that perspective, uh, kind of what we did uh, a little bit. We're not going to get into everything. Again, we could do like two months solid worth of episodes looking at, you know, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter by, by itself. You know, we could spit, split both parts of it into two separate episodes. We could talk about food. We could talk about attractions. We could talk about, you know, the different lands. So there's a number of different ways we can split it up. But for right now, we may come back to some of this stuff. We're going to try to focus on all of it uh, tonight. So again, uh, daddy-daughter time at Universal Orlando Parks. And we're going to break here and kind of come back to our question of the day here in just a minute, just to give you all a heads up. Uh, day one and day three, so we spent three days in the parks. Uh, day one and day three were spent hopping between Universal Studios Orlando and Islands of Adventure. So we went between both. Islands of Adventure is kind of split up into islands or, you know, little lands and kind of they have their own sort of themes. And uh, there are... Traditionally, there's been some live entertainment in some. There's been, there are more roller coasters kind of on that side. That's sort of what it's known for, hence that adventure theme. Um, the Universal Studios Orlando side has more screen-based attractions that do have some elements of thrill uh, to them that are, that are pretty fun as well. And there are some roller coasters on that side of the park uh, as well. Uh, day two was spent early on in the two main parks and the afternoon was spent at Volcano Bay. So if you did not know this, uh, Universal, the Universal Orlando Resort is home to Volcano Bay, which is one of, if not the newest water park in the Central Florida kind of theme park area. And it is so, so amazing. We had such an awesome time there. And we didn't go there for a long time because a lot of the water slides I, I knew she would not be able to do or she would not want to do. Like she could do a lot of them because she was tall enough, but she would not want to just because of what you know, she was experiencing and I couldn't leave her alone because I was together. So that's kind of one thing to think of if you're, if you're traveling alone with kids that are going, uh, that's just one thing to kind of be aware of sort of playing around in, in that and going into it with a realistic expectation. Is it possible to have an amazing time and create some amazing memories? Even if, you know, you're going to be watching kids by yourself the whole time. Yes. Yeah. It, to it totally is. And I'm going to get to one of those moments here, uh, here in just a little bit. So um, again, day one and day three were spent hopping between the two main parks. Day two was spent in Volcano Bay. Uh, most of our time was spent in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm wearing the shirt that we actually wore on our last day. This says we solemnly swear that, and then it ends. Um, the we're up to no good part uh, is actually on my daughter's shirt. So we were kind of a matching uh, pair, which was which was kind of fun to wear these. My wife, my my wife graciously made these. It was a lot of fun to wear them. Uh, we did a lot of really cool things. We ate some Harry Potter themed food, saw some Harry Potter themed shows and uh, attractions, and did a number of things. So, I want to start off talking specifically about Ollivanders. So, I've got my Ollivanders gift bag right here uh, in the back. This is actually. 
Um, this is actually really neat. So they made you pay a dollar for this gift bag, but it's pretty nice. Like, right. So I'm keeping the, the wand in there. It's kind of a little keepsake, kind of a little keepsake in and of itself, which is kind of fun. But uh, the experience at Ollivander's, so Ollivander's is the wand shop. And, in, you know, in the Harry Potter storyline, if you're familiar with it, that's where you go. And then the wand chooses the wizard, so to speak. So uh, there are two options when you go. There is a line where you can just go into the Ollivander's wand shop and kind of buy your own wand and do your own thing without going in for the experience. Because they have very uh, limited, very limited spots for the experience where you allow the wand, you go in for basically the wand selection ceremony. And it doesn't cost you anything extra per se, but again, it, there are very limited spots for it. So if you want to do that, if that is on the top of your list, go to Diagon Alley, which is where Ollivander's is, make that the first thing you do. Get there early, be some of the first in lines, go straight there because those spots uh, will be gone shortly. And I would also say they also reopened when we were there, they were reopening slots for Ollivanders for the wand selection um, kind of ceremony part of it to late later on the day, like around noon or so. And they wouldn't tell you where they were going to be or where to line up. But that was one of the things like we were told to come back. Oh, just come back five minutes before. And we can't tell you where we're going to be, but we'll probably be somewhere in this area. We had a team member tell us that. And so we came back and they told us that all the spots were gone by 11. And we were actually told to show up like at 1155. And I had the name of the team member that we were, you know, I had spoken with and, you know, we had actually been hanging around. We, we chose specifically not to do other things, uh, ended up spending more time in Diagon Alley than, than we'd originally planned to wait to kind of be around and get in line at the proper time. So because of that, I had the name of the team member that we talked with and I kind of went to, you know, manager. I was, I was nice. I was kind of like, look, you know, this is what we were told. Uh, we've been, we've been here and, you know, my daughter's really looking forward to this. And they were like, well, you know, we just had a cancellation. And <laughs> so I don't know if they actually did have a cancellation or not, um, but they took us straight in after we'd been, you know, waiting around for, I would say, not just standing still. Like we've been walking around Diagon Alley and looking at all the things. We want to get ice cream. We walked through Nocturne Alley. Uh, you know, we went in a number of the shops, which is a lot of fun. But when we went in for the wand selection ceremony, it was super fast. They let us into a room um, and I was allowed in there with her. There's nobody else uh, in there. And kind of she stood socially distance away from the desk where Ollivander or the team member was that was kind of playing uh, the wizard at that point. I went through that selection part. I got a short bit of it on video, which was kind of cool. And, you know, a number of different things happened, special effects. And it was a really neat little moment. And then you were kind of let out of the back exit and it sort of dumped you into the gift shop portion where you actually paid for your wand. Uh, she picked up her own one, actually the one that selected her, um, they put one up, you know, she tried to do some things with it. Didn't work. They put another one in her hand, try to do some things with it. Uh, didn't work, Put a third one in her hand. And that's when the lights went, you know, focused on it on her and the music got loud. And it was just a really neat experience. And she absolutely loved it. And, um, I did not go through that, but I did get my own wand. This is it. This is super simple. I don't remember what it was or anything, but what is special about these is, um, First of all, these do, you know, they cost around, I'm not going to lie to you, they do cost around 60 bucks uh, or so. So, you know, this is kind of, this was basically like our 
pretty much our sole souvenir from the trip. So um, you can take these around and you can do a number of little spells that will cause different special effects, water effects, cause puppets to do different things um, and kind of some surprises along the way. And there are uh, a number of different markers located around uh, Diagon Alley, which is located, this is very important, Diagon Alley, which is located in, uh, which is located in the Universal Studio side of the Universal Orlando Resort and Hogsmeade, which is located in the Islands of Avenger side. So the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is split over two parks, uh, which can be frustrating because you can't do both with a, with a single park kind of one-day ticket, but you can do that with a park-to-park ticket kind of going between both, which is Universal's equivalent of a park hopper. If you want to ride on the Hogwarts Express, which we'll talk about shortly, hopefully, um, you do have to have that park-to-park ticket. So um, just be aware of that. But they have these little spell opportunities. There is, they're kind of little hidden infrared cameras and each of the wands has a special tip on it. You can't really see it here um, in the camera, but making hold it close, you can kind of see it. See sort of a round, dark little thing. It's sort of an inf- infrared sensor that kind of picks up. And it's it's a lot of fun to do that. And just to kind of see the look of other people, they're like, oh, you got it to work. Or, you know, see like the looks of your kids that are just like the first time she she got one to work, like her eyes just went like got so big. It was so, just such a cool little moment for us. And I actually caught that one on video, um, which was, which was pretty neat. So um, just, just a fun thing, you know, and the really cool thing is you can bring these back. Like if you go back to universal Orlando, uh, you can bring these back with you. And if they ever break uh, the wands from Ollivanders, the interactive wands from Ollivanders, this very specific, because there are some wands that are sold at universal, even in the wizarding world of Harry Potter that are non interactive. Okay. So if you get one of the interactive ones, um, they do come with a lifetime warranty where you can take them back for wand repair. So my daughter not thinking about it was actually taking hers. And after I talked to her, she stopped it, dragging along the wall and on the ground and everything that scratched up the tip and stopped it from being able to do some of those wand effects. So if you can't get it to work right, it's very important. Just find one of the wizards that's there. Tell them you may need a wand repair, and they will direct you to the blue door on where to go. They'll take your wand in, which we did with hers just the day after we bought it. And uh, they took it in. They Basically, what they'll do is they'll take that little tip out or do whatever they have to and pop a new one in, and it'll be out a minute or two later. And sure enough, we went back, tried one of the tricks, and it was good to go. So Ollivander's great experience. Highly recommend the interactive wands. Make that one of the first things you do. If you're not able to be chosen, get in the, you know, do the wand sorting ceremony. Definitely get in line and uh, get one of those, and it can be a really cool thing. Other things we're going to talk about in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter are shows. So one of the things that I've missed that I know that other people have missed are live is live entertainment when you go to these parks. And guess what? Those Wizarding World of Harry Potter has live entertainment. So some of the thematic elements from kind of the Wizarding World and even from uh, even from the books, um, they're in Diagon Alley specifically. Uh, they have the Tales of Beetle the Bard. So you kind of know what that means. They, we specifically saw the tale of the three brothers specifically performed uh, on stage with these amazing, like larger than life, really detailed, really interesting puppets uh, that were so cool. Uh, the actors that portrayed the three brothers and even the one that was kind of the narrator did an incredible job. Some really cool kind of special effects along the way, uh, about a 10 minute or so show and, you know, social distancing markers on the ground. And it was, it, it was really good. It was a really good show. And then also Celestina Warbeck and the Banshees. So if you love, love some good singing and some good dancing, it's a lot of fun performed on the same kind of platform area in Diagon Alley. Uh, again, 
really cool experience. Love seeing that. It was also a great break from, you know, being on your feet all day. And these shows were done periodically throughout the day. So definitely check those out. If you go uh, a number of the other kind of stores in the area, uh, Florian, Fortescue's ice cream parlor. We got some ice cream on the first day. That was really good. Um, the, uh, the Weasley Wizard Wheezes, uh, the Leaky Cauldron, which we went to and ate at on the last day, which was a lot of fun as well. So I'm actually going to check. Um, I have a handy dandy little park map right here next to me. And if you'll excuse me, I'm actually going to take a look at it because there's something that I don't, uh, I don't specifically want to miss. I want to go through, kind of run through a few things. With you, and then we're going to wrap up here. Hopefully, in the next ten minutes or so. Um, but the night bus is right outside, uh, kind of the entrance to uh, King's Cross Station, where you get on the Hogwarts Express to go over to Hogsmeade. Uh, it's right outside the entrance to Diagon Alley, and the entrance to Diagon Alley is kind of hidden. Like there's no intentional signage for it. But if you've seen the movies, you'll kind of know what to look for, and of course, you'll can just follow the crowds of people to get there. Also there's Harry Potter and the escape from Gringotts, which is the uh, only major kind of roller coaster ish type attraction. It's actually the first one we did. Uh, they do require you to put uh, all your bags and whatnot in complimentary lockers that are right next to the attraction before you get in line for the queue. We did not have to wait long uh, later on in the day there. We watched the wait times that, that did go up. Uh, so, you know, if you're thinking about the unlimited express pass, definitely something to consider as well. So Gringotts was a lot of fun. Uh, really enjoyed going on that attraction. Um, also there is the money exchange. So if you want to get actual wizarding money, you can do that uh, and spend that around the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Uh, we already mentioned the tales of Beetle the Bard. That was a lot of fun. Um, there's also the fountain of fair fortune and the hopping pot. So if you just want to get kind of some um, basically just a quick uh, butter beer or pumpkin juice you can pop over there they also have some other specialty drinks it's not basically it's kind of an outdoor just sort of drink counter where you can grab a couple little bites and a few things to drink uh, there's also the fountain of fair fortune um in which is uh which is open as well so a lot of great stuff kind of flipping over to uh hogsmeade over the Wizarding World of Harry Potter on the Islands of Adventure side, there's Flight of the Hippogriff. Now, Flight of the Hippogriff is a great roller coaster. It's a great starting roller coaster uh, for most folks. And they do not require you to put your items in lockers uh, at all. It's a very short roller coaster. If you are a Disney fanatic, um, I think it's probably most similar to... Um, to some of the roller coasters in Magic Kingdom. It's not even as intense as Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Um, again, super short, great roller coaster, short line. We probably went on that thing three times in a row at one point. She absolutely loved it. My daughter did. It's a lot of fun. They also have the Frog Choir and the Triwizard Spirit Rally, which is pretty awesome. You get to see the ladies of Bobaton and the um, gentlemen of Durmstrang. Barnstorm. Yeah, Dave Dave Adams is on tonight. So hey Dave. Uh traditionally he has a podcast that's also live right now. Um, but Dave is an awesome guy over at Unrelated at Birth. He also has a new podcast that's coming out. Dave, if you want to plug that in the comments, feel free to do that. Um, but yes, you're right. Dave says um it is very much like Barnstormer, Flight of the Hippogriff is. And you're right, you're right. It absolutely is for sure. Uh, there's also another Ollivander shop over in Hogsmeade as well. Uh, the Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, which I will talk about in just a minute. There's also the Hogwarts Hogme Hogsmeade Station, the Hogshead, and Three Broomsticks. So let's talk about Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure. It's like the most complicated attraction name for a roller coaster. Seriously, it's a mouthful. So um, 
this roller coaster is unlike many that are out there. It does not invert, so it doesn't go upside down. But you're probably like, okay, well, why is it so great? Well, there's some hidden surprises along the way, some thematic elements from the movie, even in the queue. The queue is great. Like you feel like you're in Hagrid's hut. You feel like you're you're with <laughs> you feel like you're gonna encounter a different creature around the corner at any point, uh, hearing all sorts of things and you know, kind of hearing Hagrid along the way. And it, it's just it's just a really fun uh ride. There's the motorbike side and there's the sidecar side. I rode on the motorbike side, which most people that I've talked to prefer uh, my daughter rode in the sidecar side. She kind of felt more secure in that. And I felt like she would be, and we were like this close. We were super close to not doing that attraction at all. Cause she had never been on anything uh, like that. Uh, there are several launch points uh, in the coaster. So I would say for kind of stepping it up a notch from a roller coaster, like seven dwarves mind chain at magic kingdom, or even like space mountain. If you want to go up one notch before you start going upside down, uh, Hagrid's is a great roller coaster over at Universal. Definitely check that out. It is so much fun. It is one of those roller coasters that you go on and just you, you have a smile on your face when you're done. Um, and it was an absolute blast. And she was like, she kept on asking me, is it like, you know, this roller coaster, that roller coaster, this one? I'm like, no, it's, it's a little bit more than that. And, you know, she almost backed out, but she ended up getting on it. And uh, I was very glad, very, very glad that, uh, that, that she did it. So let's talk about Hogwarts Express. Uh, real quickly. So again, I mentioned in order to do Hogwarts Express, you do have to have a park to park ticket to go through, go on that attraction. Cause that's what it is. Uh, it, it's a train ride, a themed train ride where different things happen kind of out the windows and sort of in, in, in the hallway outside um, the, the train cabins, different special effects and kind of things happen along the way. So it's not just you hop on a train. Oh, I'm going to go over there. It's like the monorail. No, it's not like the monorail. Not at all. Um, and it's it's really cool how they have it set up in the King's Cross station to kind of feel like you're getting on a train at King's Cross. I mean, the 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 signage, the railing, uh, the the ambient noise they have playing, all the different things kind of make you feel like you're there. You're there. And even with Hogsmeade as well, the same sort of thing on that side. And the weights on both sides, especially going from Diagon Alley, so King's Cross over to Hogsmeade, that weight was generally longer. Uh, you know, I think most people sort of went there while we were there. And I think the first, I think the the reason why it was longer is because the early park hours were for the Universal Orlando side where Diagon Alley was when we were there. So more people were on that side of the park first. So, you know, wait times for that side sort of went up. And as more people, you know, wanted to go over, they would take that attraction over that way. You can, you know, where you're in the queue, you can watch people go through the wall, the platform nine and three quarters, get your picture taken video, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, great photo spot, great photo ops. Um, there is one sort of little place where you can sort of sit on this little wall uh, for a little bit, just sort of rest your legs from standing the whole time. General wait times when we were there were anywhere from an hour to an hour and 20 minutes, sometimes pressing an hour and a half. Uh, so that's where like, I think the express pass would save you a ton of time and hassle. Like if, if we, cause we did the Hogwarts express like three, maybe four times, we would have had that express pass, which we did not. 
So we were in, in standby lines that could have saved us a lot of time, a lot of time. So this is my plug for that. If you're not staying at a premier level resort that comes with the unlimited express pass, definitely consider adding it on, especially if you're traveling in a peak season. So you will pay more for it in the peak seasons around the holidays and in, in the summer you know, peak travel times or spring break and whatnot. But um, you will be able to do a lot more in a shorter amount of time and you'll have a better time doing it. So, you know, it's, it's quality and quantity at the same time. And it's, it's a great experience. And the unlimited express pass is not valid for all attractions. So it's valid for most of them, for many of them that are out there, but it's not valid for all of them. Like currently, for example, you cannot use the unlimited express pass at Hagrid's magical creatures, motorbike adventure. And again, we're talking mostly about Harry Potter tonight, but Anyway, so uh, there's a lot to do with the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. There's a lot to do um, over at uh, the Universal Orlando Resort. I want to talk about one other uh, specific spot uh, that uh, we went to, a place that we got to hang out at over at Islands of Adventure here in just a minute. But I do want to go back to our question of the day uh, very quickly. So <laughs> uh, Dave Adams says, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure is the second best attraction in Orlando behind Rise of the Resistance at the Walt Disney World Resort over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And I would have to agree with you there, Dave. There's just something special um, about that attraction that I absolutely love. So let's check out the question of the day responses in uh, my main personal feed. So the question of the day, again, was, we'll pop it up on the screen here for you very quickly. What is your favorite way to beat the heat at Universal or Disney? Um, a lot of people just say start the day. <laughs> uh, Adam Coleman says start the day with a Trenta water from Starbucks. Yeah, so you get free water from Starbucks. Trenta is like the kind of the secret large size uh, of water. Yes, you can get free ice water in any of the quick service locations and Starbucks will st still give that to you in the parks. Uh, walk behind. Uh, Mal says walk behind children with fans as they spray water. There's there's a tip for sure. Um, go in October. So there's an idea. So go later in the year. Still a little warm and humid in October, but the, the kind of that Hanging summer heat is not there. Uh, also, Bobby says, don't go in May, June, July, or August. So, yeah, like if if you uh, have a heat intolerance, I would not go during those months. Um, I would not. I mean, there's a lot of folks that are limited to going to, you know, during those months. Like if you're a teacher or you have a job that requires you to be there, you know, the other months out of the year, or that's when the most of your vacation time becomes available, then, you know, I understand. And there are ways, that's why we're talking about this, so you can be equipped and, and ready to go. Um, Kent says, go first thing in the morning. So hit one side of the park, whichever park you're at in the Orlando area. Uh, go back to your resort for a lunch break um, during the hottest part of the day, which a lot of people do. We actually did that while we were there uh, on day one and day two. Uh, day three was our departure day, uh, so we did not do that that particular day. But yeah, I mean, that's something you take advantage of. If you're traveling by yourself with young kids, you'll be surprised at the amount of energy that they will have later on in the day, just from going back and taking a break either by the pool or taking naps, whether you need a nap or they do or both, you know, that's always a thing, right? So uh, the lines are usually smaller uh, and you aren't exposed to the sun during the worst part of the day. So, um, you know, that's, that's one thing to be aware of. If you do take a break, you go back later in the day, typically, you know, those early morning rush times uh, will not, uh, will not be there. So uh, a lot of folks like to do that. And he's like, oh yeah. And by the way, we're here now. And yeah, he's, I think he's sending me a picture from 
Um, yeah, that's Epcot. Nelson, an hour ago. Um, my buddy Kent Braswell said that over my way. Uh, Heather says trips in November, December, huge. Yeah, absolutely. The weather's a lot cooler in that time of the year. And the theming is incredible in the parks as well. Um, it is the universal kind of partial to Disney a little bit, but a uh, universal definitely has some great theming and some great opportunities there for some seasonal experiences that I love pool water part-time. That's what David uh, says. Uh, Donna Fraser says um, they were dying at California adventures yesterday. It was pretty warm there and sunny, but they were, looks like they were sipping on some Dole whips, which is pretty great. Uh, they are delicious. Indeed, do the indoor queues. So find um, attractions that have indoor queues and, and that are indoor attractions. So you're not waiting outside. Uh, many attractions, the majority of the queues are inside, which is which is great. Um, <laughs> Becky says the Country Bear Jamboree. Country Bear Jamboree at Magic Kingdom. Excellent air conditioning. 100% uh, for sure. Uh, cooling towels, uh, pool water part-time in the middle of the day. So lots of other things, other attractions at Magic Kingdom or, or at Disney, uh, PhilharMagic, uh, Tiki Room, uh, Lion King, see Muppets, and several others. So, oh, <laughs> uh, Angel says uh, the, the $15 fan, she's posting a picture of uh, her son at Disney with one of those misting fans, which are great, by the way. Like, uh, Universal sells them, Disney sells them. And that's one of those things that, you know, I think they take double A batteries or something like that. And uh, they can't be a lifesaver for you for sure. There's a lot of different like little trinkets, things that you can use along the way and different little things like the cooling towels, like the fans that you can use to stay cool along the way. And there's, uh, you, you may have seen there's some like neck fans that you can wear that are rechargeable. They actually have fans that point up, you know, towards kind of your neck and your face to kind of keep you cool. There's a number, number of fun things um, along the way. So, um, <laughs> uh, I think Dave, Dave's a little having, having some park jealousy right now. He wants to be at Epcot right now. So even with the, even with the giant show pieces for Harmonia sticking up, yeah, I would, I would definitely want to be there. Uh, definitely want to be there as well. So, uh, lots of cool stuff. So thank y'all. Thank y'all so much for, uh, commenting on our question of the day tonight. It's a lot of fun. So to kind of wrap it up, I want to talk about a little bit of universal food and then we will be done uh, for this episode. And again, you have universal questions, send them my way. We'd love to chat more about it in the future. Uh, mentioned Florian Fortescue's ice cream parlor. We had ice cream there on our first day over in Diagon Alley. It was pretty great. And there's also the Leaky Cauldron. So one of the things that we wanted to do, my, my daughter, you know, we watch a lot of uh, Disney and Universal vloggers out there kind of as a family sometimes just as something fun to do. And one of the things that she wanted to do is she wanted to have a butter beer float. Now, if you go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter or, or Universal and you're like, well, where do I have this? Which restaurant has it? Do I go to the ice cream shop? Do I go to one of the sit down restaurants? Do I go to a quick service and you go to a team member? Where can I find a root beer float? You know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you, sorry, it doesn't exist. However, However, they do have butterbeer ice cream. They have also, they have butterbeer cold. They have it hot and they have it frozen. Butterbeer comes in a number of different flavors, candies as well. So what we did is we went to uh, the Leaky Cauldron for lunch on our last day. It kind of had a lengthy line to get into it just because of kind of what they were doing and how orders were being placed. The food was really good, by the way. Highly recommend it. 
I kind of like the food a little bit better than some of the places I've had at Disney that are that level of quick service. So I'll just go ahead and say that it was really tasty. I had a cottage pie, which is kind of like a, a meat pie, shepherd's pie sort of thing. Uh, it was pretty good. And my daughter had some mac and cheese uh, and I think some grapes and, and whatnot. But we had our butterbeer float. We had our butterbeer float. What we did, we ordered some butterbeer ice cream, which you can do there. And you can also order, order a cold butterbeer as well. So that comes in a cup. And so what we did, drank about half of the butterbeer sour out and threw the ice cream in there and voila, butterbeer floating. And it was delicious on a hot day, even sitting inside. It was super refreshing. Highly recommend that. Pro tip, go to Leaky Cauldron or go to Florian Fortescue's or go to one of the butterbeer carts. Uh, get yourself the ice cream. Get yourself preferably the frozen butterbeer. I actually prefer it frozen, which we did have had butterbeer like at least three times. I think I uh, prefer it frozen personally. If it's hot outside, definitely try the hot butterbeer. Uh, excuse me. If it's cold outside, definitely try the, the hot butterbeer. It can be super refreshing. And they used to only have that like seasonally, but I mean, now it's getting warmer. It's still on the menu. And I think it was actually formally announced that it's going to stay, uh, you know, it's only available in certain spots, but it's going to stay available. So uh, definitely check that out. So, all in all, uh, Universal Orlando was a blast. Uh, I created some amazing memories just sort of uh, getting to see my, my daughter have some coming of age moments as we were there together going on. The Hagrid's coaster was amazing. Uh, we did uh, wrap up our trip. The last thing she was like, I want to go back to Seuss Landing. We spent some time in Seuss Landing with some friends. Seuss Landing is a well, Dr. Seuss themed land uh, over at Islands of Adventure that coincidentally, uh, if you all were not aware uh, that that the initial concept for that land at Universal Orlando was drawn and written up by the same Disney Imagineer, uh, my friend McNair Wilson, that was on for episode 100 and 102. That was one of the primary folks involved in the uh, design concept phase of the Hollywood Tower Hotel, aka the Tower of Terror. So um, there's there's a link there between kind of Disney and Universal. Uh, you know, some former Imagineers definitely yes. You know, they they played a role in Universal. Sometimes they kind of go back and forth based on what their careers were doing at the time. So that's kind of a cool connection uh, there. So you know, we did the carousel. We did the um, the cat, the hat ride. We did a number of different things over, over in Seuss landing. Um, but she wanted to go back and and do, I forget the actual name of it. I could look it up here on the map, but basically it's, it's a ride that kind of takes you up. It's kind of like triceratops spin over at animal kingdom or astro orbiter or the flying carpets of Aladdin. So that same sort of thing that sort of, you get in a ride vehicle, it raises you up and it spins around. Um, and this one was a lot of fun. And just kind of getting to see the joy on her face, even though it was hot, y'all, like we hated having to walk back uh, through City Walk to the buses uh, during the heat of the day. But when we got on that bus, we were over to our hotel super quickly and cooled down and we just had a great, great time. Uh, it was amazing. Volcano Bay was absolutely amazing. I highly recommend it. Uh, comparing water parks, it, I've been to the Disney, both Disney water parks. I've been to the old Whitewater, Six Flags Whitewater over in Atlanta, the Atlanta area. I've been to a lot of different water parks, uh, you know, tr the old Treasure Island and kind of this Panama City area. Um, a lot of them over the years. And Volcano Bay was by far my favorite experience. Absolutely amazing all the way around. Uh, the, the food experience here was good. The attraction there, the kids area uh, was great. The team members was awesome. I think there was a team member, I want to say his name was Hunter over in the kids area that we talked to and kind of made friends with. Uh, that was so great, super friendly and very helpful. Um, and one of the things is, so kind of wrapping our conversation up, 
know I've said that a few times, uh, <laughs> is uh, is that in Volcano Bay, it's a water park. So if there is lightning, water, hello, basically everything shuts down. Everything shuts down. People are like, well, man, well, how would you want to be there if there's lightning? Well, Florida often has little showers that come in typically in the three to four o'clock hour. And what happens when they shut the parks down when there's lightning around has happened when we were there. I think the storm came through around 3.30 or so is they shut all the rides down and a lot of people that had been there for a while left. So the park almost completely cleared out. Well, um, about an hour and a half before the park closed, everything reopened and we just got on slide after slide after slide, didn't have to wait in any lines and got to do everything really that we wanted to do together in a very short amount of time. Um, which is great. Now, you know, if I had another adult there or she was older, we would have been able to do more slides and more things and we would have gotten there earlier in the day. Uh, but again, having those realistic expectations, kind of talking with her ahead of time, seeing where she was at, kind of making sure she had an understanding of what we could and couldn't do, you know, based on height and sort of what she was wanting to do. Right. Because there's some pretty intense slides there. There are some, some drop slides that basically you get in a tube and then the bottom drops out from, from underneath you and it sort of shoots out <laughs> and you go really fast. And um, anyway, so uh, definitely check out Volcano Bay. Uh, it's a really, really great water park. Highly recommend it. Uh, definitely make time for it if you're thinking about a water park experience uh, when you go to Central Florida. So um, I really appreciate you all coming to uh, to view this episode tonight, whether you're watching live or you're watching the replay, or if you're listening on podcast. Um, you know, I love doing this thing. Hopefully, it's helpful to some of you that are out there. You know, if it has made a difference, if there's a tip that has worked out for you, please message me. Please email me. I would love to hear like kind of how that made a difference. Um, we're probably going to be highlighting, um, doing some highlights as well, coming forward with some new segments um, on some guest experiences. So be looking forward to that. There's some new things that we're going to be doing with Travel Tips Tuesday to kind of spice it up a little bit. Uh, so be looking forward to that as we kind of move down the road. So we may have an occasional guest or two or occasional guest co-host as we uh, run into the future as well. So a lot of really cool things ahead for Travel Tips Tuesday. Uh, again, thank you all so much for tuning and Travel Tips Tuesday. This is so much fun each and every week. I can't wait to be talking about the fall season at the Walt Disney World Resort here in the coming weeks. And I can't wait to see you all again very soon. We'll see you all again real soon. Bye-bye. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to Travel Tips Tuesday. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you then.